Scripture reading today is uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If at all possible, I hope you'll be back at 5 this afternoon as we'll have some of our young men conducting the services with singing and prayer, scripture reading, and a word from God. In Jeremiah 37 verse 17, there's one of the great questions of the Old Testament. Jeremiah 37 17 The question is, is there any word from the Lord? You see, Zedekiah the king is asking Jeremiah this question. Is there any word from the Lord? If there is, people need to listen. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Is there any word from the Lord? As we think about preaching and the preaching that saves, can just any kind of preaching save? Not if there is a word from the Lord. Why is preaching so important? One could probably say nowadays it's not with the masses. As a matter of fact, I looked at Merriam-Webster Dictionary just a few days ago and I looked at the subject preaching. And the second definition of preaching that was given is to exhort and correct in an officious and tiresome manner. If there is a word from the Lord, preaching needs to be heard. You know, only three things can go wrong concerning the preaching of the word. There may be, first of all, a problem with the messenger that keeps people from responding to the Lord. Secondly, there might be a problem with the message. The message of the Lord is not being proclaimed in its fullness. It's not really being spoken in a way that's proper. Things are being left out or added to God's Word. But a third problem is a problem in the heart. From those who hear it. There can be a problem with the messenger. A problem with the message. But also a problem with the receivers. A problem of the heart. Is there any word from the Lord? 
Why don't we let Scripture answer the three questions that I've asked? I've actually asked four. Is there any word from the Lord? Can just any kind of preaching save? Why is preaching so important? And what does the preaching look like that saves? What kind of preaching saves? Let the New Testament answer. Three passages as we introduce this subject. First of all, 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. Hear God's Word. Preach the Word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers after their own lust, and they will turn aside from the truth to myths or fables. Is there any word from the Lord? Secondly, Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 1.18, the passage Steve read for us just a few moments ago. For the Word of God is to them that are perishing foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved... It is the power of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. It pleased God through the folly of preaching to save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching and that comment has to do with You know, God has chosen to communicate Himself and He has chosen to use individuals in the proclamation of that word. The whole idea to some may sound foolish. But listen, there is all the difference in the world in saying God was pleased through the foolishness of preaching to save than saying God was pleased through the preaching of foolishness to save. The foolishness of preaching as opposed to the preaching of foolishness. Everybody, God has always emphasized preaching and teaching of his word. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. Well, that takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis right there. The prophets in general were known as men who would speak forth, who would proclaim the word, the message of God. They would bubble over with the message of God. 2 Samuel 23, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, David said, and His word was found on my tongue. 
The message of the prophet, John the baptizer, Matthew 3 and verse 2 is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus begins preaching, Matthew 4, 17, his message is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When the apostles preach, Matthew 10, 7, see the emphasis on preaching? And throughout the letters, look at 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. This passage just really summarizes the attitude of those who lived in the early days of the church. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. Yes, the Bible stresses the place of preaching. Does just any kind of preaching save? Absolutely not. Why is preaching so important? Because God has chosen this medium to communicate His message so souls can be saved and strengthened. There's all the difference in the world between the foolishness of preaching and the preaching of foolishness. The Word of God repeatedly says things like this. There are those who teach things they ought not, Titus 1 and verse 11. The Bible speaks of those who corrupt God's Word, 2 Corinthians 2.17. The Bible speaks of those who tamper with His truth, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. The Bible speaks of teaching for God's truth the commandments of men, Matthew 15 verses 6 through 9. And the Word of God is very stern in its denouncement of any other message. Even if the message reportedly comes from an angel of heaven, Galatians 1, 6-9, the gospel is not to be perverted and those who water down God's word have a curse pronounced upon them. Galatians 1, 6-9. The Bible talks about making the word of God of none effect. Mark 7 and verse 13. The Bible speaks of twisting or resting the scriptures to one's own destruction. 2 Peter 3, 16. Paul would stress in Acts 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable Concerning God's Word, Acts 20, 20. Acts 20 and verses 27 and 28. I declare to you the whole counsel of God. Is there any word from the Lord? If we believe that God has spoken through Jesus, we must answer in the affirmative. And he has nothing more, nothing better, nothing else to say to us other than what he has said in the New Testament. 
Now I really want to focus on that last question. What does the preaching that saves souls and honors God, what does this kind of preaching look like? And let me share with you six characteristics of the preaching that saves. Because when it comes to preaching, after all, many of us have listened to quite a few sermons over the years. And we may think ourselves to be evaluators that are good evaluators of sermons. And I don't question that many present today are. But I wonder if sometimes... Our problem is with the messenger or with the message or with our own heart. These things can cause the word of the Lord not to be received properly. Six characteristics involved in the preaching that saves. First of all, we must preach or proclaim Christ. We must preach or proclaim Christ. Open your copy of God's Word, please, to Acts the 8th chapter. Acts the 8th chapter is rich with terms concerning the preaching or teaching of God's Word. Notice Acts 8 verse 4. They went everywhere preaching the Word. But really focus on verse 5 of Acts 8. Acts 8 verse 5. Here's what the word of God says. It says that Philip proclaimed Christ to the Samaritans. Now go down and look at Acts 8 verses 25 to the end of the chapter. And it has to do with Philip speaking to the Ethiopian nobleman. But especially looking at this context, focus on Acts 8.35. Beginning with that scripture, Philip preached unto him Christ. The preaching that that saves is characterized by the preaching of of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, Paul wrote, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus, except Christ and Him crucified. The proclamation of Christ. What's really involved in that? Speaking about the Christ I'd say that it has to do with talking about his person, talking about his character, talking about his will, the person, character, and will of Jesus. What God has chosen to reveal through Christ, those who are gospel preachers and teachers seek to stress. After all, Jesus is the one before whom we'll be judged. Acts 17, 31. He will judge the living and the dead. Acts 10 and verse 42. 
The word that I have spoken, Jesus says, the same will judge you in the last day. John 12, 48. And while I know in a lesson like this, many people who've been Christians for a long time will say those are things that I've heard and believed for a long time. God bless you. But we are obviously living in a time when preaching, is there any word from the Lord, is not as appreciated as it ought to be. Who can deny it? When one of the most common definitions of preaching is to exhort or correct in an officious and tiresome way. Many a Christian has probably found themselves saying, stop preaching to me. The preaching that saves must stress Christ. Secondly, the preaching that saves must stress the cross. The word of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 But God forbid that I should glory except to the cross of Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Galatians 6.14 Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4 What does the preaching that delivers people from sin and lifts up God look like? It stresses the person and character and will of Christ. All that's been revealed in Jesus, the Lord and Savior. But it stresses also the cross of Christ. After you and I have done all that we possibly can, we are still unprofitable servants desperately in need of the mercy and grace of God. Luke 17 and verse 10. Preaching and teaching that stresses the cross. The cross. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save. The preaching of Christ, the preaching of of the cross. And I want you to think about it. We live in a world full of negatives. Amen there? The cross is God's plus sign in a world full of minuses. Isn't that the truth? So much can be going on in the world, but the cross is God's plus sign that trumps all the minuses in this life. Third, the preaching that saves is characterized by being gospel preaching. Gospel preaching. The 
preaching that saves is focused on Christ. The preaching that saved, saves is focused on the cross. The preaching that saves is focused on the gospel. Glad tidings, good news, a message that simply must be heralded. It must be spoken. And the gospel quite simply is this. The Son of God came down from heaven to earth that you and I, secondly, might go from earth up to heaven and be with God forever. That is the essence of the gospel. The Son of God came down from glory to earth and He did something by coming here. See, last point, the cross. So that we might be able to leave this old world and go up to glory and be with Him forever. No wonder why we sing, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. I'll cling to the the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. In Mark 1, verses 12 and 13, in Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, think about this one, y'all. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel. Because if there's a word from the Lord and a person is sincerely and honestly seeking to proclaim it, that message can make all the difference in the world in someone's life. The gospel Remember Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. The Jew first, also the Gentile, the Greek. And speaking of the preaching that saves, it's the preaching of Christ, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel That God has given us grace and mercy through Jesus, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, that can be embraced through faith and we can be right with God. Next, in looking at the preaching that saves, number four, looking at the New Testament and what characterized their preaching... They proclaimed the word. They went everywhere proclaiming the word. Acts 8 and verse 4. Interesting it is that Jesus himself is called the word in John 1, 1 through 18. You see, in proclaiming the message of God, we have to proclaim the Son of God. The Word. Salvation comes through the Word, Acts 13, 26. The truth comes through the proclamation of the Word of God, Acts chapter 8. Rather, uh, John 17, 17. 
In talking about the word, we're cleansed by the word. John 15 and verse 3. The word. It's simply shorthand, biblically, for talking about Jesus and what God has unveiled, what he's revealed to us in him. All that's been revealed to us in Christ. The Word. Think about this passage, James 1, 21. We receive with meekness the Word, the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. Preach Christ. Preach the cross. Preach the gospel, preach the word. Number five, preach the kingdom. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Revelation 19, 16. The king has a kingdom. He's made us to be priests and part of a kingdom, Revelation 1 and verse 5. Look at Matthew 16 with me briefly. Open your Bible to Matthew 16. I know we've turned to a lot of passages and I am intentionally referring to many because the preaching that saves insists that there is indeed a word from the Lord that needs to be heard. And it needs to be complied with. Christ has become the author of eternal salvation to all that obey Him. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. You are my friends if you obey what I have commanded you, Jesus said. John 15, 14. Adam, where did I tell you to turn? Thank you. Now I'm back. Matthew 16, 18 and 19. This passage shows that there is a connection, that there is a relationship between the church of Jesus and the kingdom of Christ. And looking at the passage, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What? The church? I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The word goes on to state. One gets into the kingdom of Christ by entering the church of Christ. That's so important, I repeat it. One gets into the kingdom of God by becoming part of the church of God. The church we read about in the New Testament. The kingdom. You have to be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. John 3, 3 through 7. By one Spirit were you all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. When we think about the preaching and teaching that was done in the New Testament, 
there was an emphasis upon the kingdom, the church, the body of Christ. There is a very appropriate need to emphasize the church, the kingdom, the body of Christ in preaching today. Lastly, number six, the preaching that saves emphasizes, stresses forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. Think about how all of these just come together and it makes sense, I hope, to you. The preaching done in the New Testament that really saves souls and that truly honors the Lord and that pleases God, it's about Christ. It's about the cross. It's about the gospel. It's about the word. It's about the kingdom and the family, the people of God. It is about forgiveness of sins. Let me invite your attention to at least three passages. Turn first of all to Luke 24 and verse 47. Luke 24, 47. Jesus is ascending. He's about to go back to glory. But in Luke 24, 47, Jesus says that repentance and remission of sins or forgiveness of sins that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. What's the purpose of Christ coming and the cross? What's the good news of the gospel about? The word, the body of Christ, the family of God, the kingdom... It's about a right relationship with God through Jesus. That repentance and remission of sins in His name can be obtained. Now turn to Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 2 and verse 38. On the day of Pentecost, as Peter and the apostles are preaching, they are asked the question... What shall we do? And the response that is given, it would seem to me, if we're going to emphasize the preaching that saves, needs to stress the same thing that Peter and the apostles said in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice both of these passages, Luke 24, 47, Acts 2, 38, speak of repentance, they speak of forgiveness of sins, they speak of this occurring by the authority and the power of Jesus. Turn to Acts 26 and verse 18. Acts 26 and verse 18. In this passage, Paul recounts. He goes back in his mind to the time when the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord spoke to him about what his mission would be as an apostle. And in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, 
what Jesus told Paul that he would be doing as a preacher, as a teacher of the gospel, is this. Number one, you will open eyes. People that have been blind will start to see. Number two, you will turn people from darkness to light because they will be leaving the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Colossians 1, 12 and 13. People will be turning from the power of Satan to the power of God. That's what Acts 26, 18 says, does it not? And it goes on to say that people would be receiving forgiveness of sins by being sanctified. They'll have a place, a sanctified place through faith in Jesus. It's amazing how much the Word of God says about the proclamation of God's message. May it be our fervent prayer, may it be your fervent prayer that those of us who preach will only proclaim those things that lift up God and are true to His Word and will result in the salvation and strengthening of souls. And may all of us together pray that when the Word of God is proclaimed... In its truth and with sincerity and honesty of heart, may we pray that people will receive God's saving message. Is there any word from the Lord? If I didn't believe that there was... I may as well sit down and I have wasted my life from the time I was 13 years old. But if there's a word from the Lord, young people and those of you who are older, listen, if there is a word from the Lord, nothing in this world is more important than listening. Nothing in this world is more important than complying. Don't allow excuses and do not allow the frailty of the messengers to keep you from embracing Christ in the good news of the cross. There's a reason God says so much about preaching and teaching. There is a word from the Lord. Have you responded to that word? 
In this morning's study, we've looked at how one responds to Christ and His cross. Have you done it? Have you become part of the church, the family of God? Have you become part of God's kingdom by becoming part of His church? And if you haven't, why are you waiting? And for those of us who are Christians, God help us not to belittle the preaching of the Word. Because we have a Word from the Lord. Let us stand and sing.